Bandwidth for Change Log is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. Hi, this is Ashley McNamara, and it's go time. It's Go Time, a weekly podcast where we discuss interesting topics around the Go programming language, the community, and everything in between. If you currently write Go or aspire to, this is the show for you. All right, everybody, welcome back for another episode of Go Time. Today is episode number 43, and our sponsors for today are TopTal and Datadog. Uh, on the show today, we have myself, Eric St. Martin. Uh, we also have Carlicia Finta. Say hi, Carlicia. Hi. hi, everybody. And Brian finally made it on the show. Oh, cut me some slack. <laughs> I haven't had caffeine or sleep in like two weeks. <laughs> and our special guest today... Uh, is a principal technologist at Pivotal and one of our favorite gopher artists, uh, Ashley McNamara. Do you want to um, give everybody like a little, just kind of like a brief intro of who you are and kind of some of the stuff you're working on? Yeah. Um, so I am Ashley McNamara and I do a lot of gopher artwork. <laughs> um, <laughs> our if you've favorite seen any- gopher artwork. Our favorite gopher artwork. Um, I created a little avatar generator uh, called Gopherize Me, and then I've done the uh, GopherCon uh, logo, I guess you would call it this year, as well as a number of other art pieces in the Go community because I love that silly gopher so much. Every adorable gopher on the internet, every one comes from Ashley. It's been a streak lately. I'll give you that. The machine box logo is pretty baller too. That, oh that my little God. robot is awesome. I love that robot so much. I have to say I'm a little jealous though because you can do both artwork and programming. I unfortunately cannot. <laughs> yeah, but being a Jill of all trades has some setbacks. I feel like I'm master of none. So I feel like I'm always trying to learn things in different places and never mastering one thing. Oh, that's perfect. I feel that yeah. way every day. Oh, okay. So I'm normal. This is amazing. Oh, that's so normal. We, we call that life, right? Yeah. Oh, is that? Oh, okay. Especially with tech. Yeah, so many new things. You just have to like be very, try to focus and not have anxiety over what you don't know and you're not learning. Oh, yeah, that's why I have Xanax. Now, now Xanax, I can get behind Xanax. (laughs) Yes, that's family friendly. That's how it is. (laughs) It's family friendly. Xanax is family friendly. The more Xanax (laughs) I have, the more friendly I am. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So, yeah, I'd say that's pretty normal, though, because. In, you know, everything in technology, it's impossible to know all areas. And it's like you'll see something somebody else did and you're like, oh, I wish I was better at that. And it's like, you know, I, I'm recently I've loved tinkering with hardware, but like I'm not a hardware guy. So I see projects other people have done and I'm like, I that would probably take me six years. I don't know. And it seemed like they did it in a week. <laughs> yeah. But do you feel like that about everything? Because I feel like that about everything where I'm like, oh, man, I wish I was better at that. I feel like I say that a lot. Uh, I wish I was better at Git. I wish I was better at all of the things. Brian is a testament to it. I ask him. I'm I'm terrible about that. I think I'm good at nothing. 
true. I have to force Eric to take credit for all the awesome stuff he does. He's like, no, this isn't that cool. Are you kidding me? So I just post it for him. I do it all the time. I have, I have absolutely no fear. Syndrome is I, open real. sourcing Eric's projects as a service. That's my job. <laughs> oh, I love that. All right. I think it's too hard. There's just too much we want to do. And, you know, there's a cool uh, like Venn diagram or something that I saw one time where it's like, you know, what you think other people know versus what they actually know. And it's <laughs> like, you, you, you know, you, you see the It was surface. a pie chart, I think. Yeah. yeah. And you're just kind of like looking at it and you think they know everything there is to know about that topic. But really, you're kind of seeing all they know about it in that little bit. Um, so it's I just, the Facebook view. Yes. And, you know, the internet, right? Like, I love the internet because it brings everybody together and exposes us to a lot of stuff. Um, but I hate it in the same way because you're also comparing yourself to like a highly curated list of the best the world has to offer every single day, right? Totally. You're like looking around at all these cool things and you think everybody is cooler. Like, I'm not a millionaire at 20. Like, What's I'm a failure in life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the things that you wish you would you knew better, Ashley? Oh, geez, everything. At so least I'm, lately. Everything. <laughs> at least lately. Um, Kubernetes is definitely on my list. Um, microservices in general, I wish I knew a lot more than I do. Um, the good news is that community is awesome. So if I don't know something, which oftentimes I don't, I always know somebody who does. And so there are always awesome people who are willing to teach me, like Kelsey Hightower, for example. Um, Brian is another example. I ask him dumb questions about Go all the time. And everyone's just so dumb patient. Questions. I super do. You, and it's your fun. questions aren't dumb. There are no dumb questions. I don't ask dumb I, questions. You got to understand <laughs> that when you ask me a question, I just turn around and ask Eric and give you the answer. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. So I'm going to skip the middleman. See you, Brian. It's no, I great. like being the middleman. Oh, I like okay. feeling important. All right. Okay. Killing two birds with uh, one stone then. That's what I, I do. <laughs> I don't think there's dumb questions though either because really like if you know the answer it's easy if you don't it can be impossible right right it's, it's it's hard like you may feel dumb because it seems like a trivial thing but if you've never used it how would you know right like and, and yes. you can think about basic life like that right like if if you saw like a weed eater right like and you've never seen one before like it's going to be a foreign object like how do you start this thing what is what do you use it for you know a weed yeah. eater <laughs> I picked a random inanimate object. That is random, dude. <laughs> it's probably because the people were out there mowing the lawn earlier. Oh, that makes sense. But <laughs> you, you saw the live stream of the hedges behind my house and you thought somebody needs to trim that damn thing. We didn't want to say it, but this is your intervention. Thank that, you. That's my way of insinuating that Brian doesn't know how to use one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eric, the shade. I don't know if you can explain it. Uh, the shade so, is rough on this show. So tell me, Ashley, how did you come across all of the awesome stuff that you put on your learning to program uh, wikis? Because I was looking through that, I don't know, it was about two months ago when I was working on some educational material training stuff. And I thought, my God, this is like the best resource ever. And it's got like, you know, 50 stars or something on GitHub. I don't understand why there aren't a thousand million stars. I think it's because I don't advertise it as much as I maybe should. Um, I started it because I went to a boot camp to learn Python uh, 
that's sort of how I got into programming to begin with. I was contributing docs to um, OpenStack and I wanted to contribute more. So I started to learn Python and thought, I can't do this by myself. This is impossible. Do I need to go get a CS degree? I don't have time. For, who has time for that? So I found this boot camp and I went to this boot camp and it was terrible. Um, they weren't te- they weren't teaching real world software development. They weren't um, contributing to open source was irrelevant to them. Basically, every question I asked was, "You don't need to know that," but I needed to know all of those things. So I decided to go out and find free resources, and I started out with Zed Shaw's uh, "Learn Python the Hard Way." And I love his stuff. I love his stuff too. He's so great. And I sent him an email and he said, why don't you just come over? I'll teach you. And I learned more <laughs> nice. at Zed's house than I learned in three months at this boot camp. That's so and awesome. I wanted to make sure that I helped other people in my situation. You don't need to drop $15,000 to learn to code. You are going to need help, in-person help. Um, but there are plenty of people that will mentor. All you have to do is ask, and people are so afraid to ask. So I wanted to put together this resource where people have access at a glance to, at sort of a glance, it's huge, um, to, to, to free resources where, where you can learn on your own. And right now I'm working on putting together a mentor program as well, where we can pair junior developers with seasoned developers and get some real world experience. Oh, that's so cool. So that these people aren't alone. I think the other side of it too, and having a mentor is important here, is kind of similar to what we were just talking about, where you feel like, I wish I knew all these things better and I don't know them enough. Is things that I've learned with people that uh, kind of are, are in my circle. Trying to get into programming is a psychological thing too. There's so many little things. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm trying to learn this, but what is that? And you go down this <laughs> rabbit hole. And people feel like I'm just not smart enough to do this. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize it's just, it's just a lot of little things. It's a lot of time. And even most of us struggle like that on a day-to-day basis where it, we don't set out immediately knowing how to solve a problem. We, I think we've just all grown comfortable in the struggle, right? Like, or sometimes even grow to enjoy it, trying to figure out right. how this thing works. <laughs> so. But when you come in, I think it can be demotivating because you're just like, ah, oh, you know, I, I'm just not cut out. I just can't get this to work. I don't understand it. And, that's, you know. Yeah, that's a great point. Did I cut you off? Oh, you're <laughs> sorry, <okay>. no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. Yeah, shut up, Eric. Carlissa needs to talk now. No, I, I think uh, the essence of programming is being comfortable with not knowing and having your own strategies for putting pieces of the puzzle t- together. You know, so for me, sometimes it's starting from the bottom and going up. Sometimes it's starting from the outside going in. There's all sorts of strategies that I use to solve problems. Sometimes, a lot of times breaking things apart, just sol- solving one piece and making sure I understand, even just renaming things mm-hmm. to in the, in the process of solving a problem and and that's fun but um if you think that you you need to go in and you need to know it's not about knowing it's about figuring it out and, and you need to like the process of figuring things out 
enjoy the journey. Yeah. I have a, I have a yeah, friend that, that was, uh, oh, go ahead. because mostly we don't know. We don't know. Shit. We just figured <laughs> oh, this, this is a family out. show. Oh, that's not family. Friendly. <laughs> family <laughs> show, Carlicia. I'm going to be flipped. Ashley's alternate oh words and God. phrases list. I thought that was family friendly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know what is family friendly? You, you be you. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. You live your life. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, we're just gonna be bleeped. <laughs> don't bleep us. It's so rude. Yeah, you can't censor me. Yeah, don't do that. I had to teach myself to break problems down into micro problems. That's also something that you need to learn as a developer. That you're better off learning with a mentor than you are out of school. I remember I read so many books, like how to think like a programmer. Um, none of those books were helpful, but um, trial and error was helpful. Well, I think we all do that instinctively, but we don't know we're doing it. And it's really hard for somebody to step back and say, okay, you really just need to find the tiniest piece of this and, and solve that and then find the next tiny piece and solve that. Cause that's what we all do. Yeah. You know, if, even if you don't know what to search for on stack overflow, <laughs> you got to figure it out. And it's just one tiny piece at a time. But I, it's it's hard to sell that to people because don't really know that that's what you're doing. We just some people do it instinctively, some people have to be taught, but it's how we're all solving the problems. Nobody goes off in a weekend and, you know, writes influx db. Of course not. Of course not. But I've had so many people come to me and say, "I want to build this thing. Where do where do I start?" They don't know where where to start in in the life cycle right they're thinking of this thing that they want but they don't i have no idea where to start building it yeah there, so there i guess there's a degree of that because it's almost like if if you've ever done like freelance work or consulting work like where you deal with um people who want you to build something for them and they're not familiar with tech they don't yes. know what's possible so they don't really know where to to begin with it they their demands are different than the problem they're actually trying to solve because their demands are based on what they know about tech. So I think there's right. a degree of that when you start, like you don't even know that these things are possible. So where do you look? So yeah, I guess there, there's a lot of that in the thinking like a programmer. Like I do it with math too. People think I can do a lot of math in my head and it's like, it's just break it down to simpler problems, right? You know, like 15 times 27. I don't, I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Right. I know what 10 times 20 is and things like that, you know, <laughs> but I think the other side is confidence too. You know, like a, a friend of mine just got his bachelor's degree in comp sci and he's like, God, oh, you know, I, I don't know when I'll be ready to write code. It's like, you've been ready since day one, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, like, it's just that, that confidence level of when will I know enough to be able to do this? And, you know, that's kind of where this thought got triggered for me. And it's just like, you, you think about it. We do this all the time. If if you started your day knowing 100% how you were going to do what your task was for that day, and this was every day of your life, it would be boring. So boring. Like, we like solving new problems. So you kind of want the uncharted territory. No, absolutely. That's one of the reasons why I went to Pivotal. It's really exciting to be the dumb kid in class again. If you're not in the, the pool with lots of bigger fish, you're not learning. Yeah, so true. So what are you doing at Pivotal? Tell us. So what I didn't know about Pivotal is that they have a really passionate set of Go developers. Um, Pivotal 
started out as a Ruby Rails shop and most of CF was was Ruby. So I I had no idea until I tweeted that I was looking for a job and I got a message from one of the Go developers at Pivotal. And so I started doing some research and I noticed that Pivotal has about 35 repos that are that are Go. And it's like this is weird that nobody knows about this. Is it because they are making an enterprise product and people don't care about that as much or like like what's the deal? So I started interviewing and I realized they, they just didn't have a lot of people to be the face in that community to evangelize that. So that's what I'm doing at Pivotal is making the huh. Go community aware of what we have to offer. And so, first of all, CF is Cloud Foundry, right? Correct. Yes. Um, and maybe you, you want to tell us what that even is. but. What is the importance of this work and what type of developers will benefit from knowing what Pivotal has to offer? So you're going to have to cut me a little bit of slack on this because it's uh, day four for me at Pivotal. So yeah, we consider it done. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But many of the engineers are using it as most like a, like a scripting language. So they're writing small tools like lightweight CLIs that might have once been done in Ruby or Bash. Uh, and it's especially handy when you want to, like, say, write a little diagnostic test on a Mac and then run it on an arbitrary Linux container without messing with the dependencies or worrying about Bash mysteries. Uh, so we're doing a lot of testing. A lot of testing. There's a, a significant amount of Cloud Foundry that's been completely rewritten in Go, like uh, yes. their router, Diego. That's a yeah. huge, huge piece of Cloud Foundry that's written in Go. And they had a nice blog post on that uh, a year or two ago on just how much Go brought to the game in that rewrite. Yeah, Go made it possible for them to run Diego on Linux and Windows. So, and that helped a lot with the Pivotals.net story. Yeah, um, I think um, Onsi works at Pivotal too, who created uh, Ginkgo and Go Mega, which is he like the, the BDD framework uh, oh, for anybody cool. who comes from Rails. Yeah. Yep. So a lot, a lot of great gophers at Pivotal who I didn't even know until recently. And I feel sort of bad about that. I feel like everyone should know about them. Gophers are taking over. I kind of feel like they're a little quiet in the go world, though, in general. Possibly. They're not making enough noise. So they had to hire somebody who can make <laughs> more noise. <laughs> well, hello. Here I am. It's Ashley. It's the it's Ashley me. party. Talking about Ashley party. What is your talk at GopherCon going to be about? Oh my gosh. I'm so, so curious. I've, I've wavered on this a couple of times. So right now it says my journey to go. And I've talked to a couple of people about it. It feels pretentious in a way. Like who cares about my specific journey? But at the same time, could it be helpful for people that are learning? I don't know. So... I'm not a hundred percent sure to be honest. Do you, do you, I, I want to go back to that and give you my opinion, but do you have an alternative to that? Were you thinking about another talk? Um, I, I don't have, I, I have no idea. I have no, I would love to hear your opinion. So my opinion on the original talk, your journey to you, I think is, ex can be extremely useful because, well, um, Go is growing tremendously. And there's always new people 
coming into the language. And when people come into a new language, of course, they want to see steps that people who are practicing have taken to get where they are. So it's uh, it's inspiring. It's informative. It can be inspiring. <laughs> it can be informative. Definitely very helpful. And even for for veterans, we, it's a chance for us to look back and see, hey, what's that person's journey compared to my journey? I, I mean, I like talks like that. I I do too. But I mirror uh, Carlicia's opinion. I think that you draw a lot of inspiration from it. Um, a lot of people coming in. How we talk about confidence and things. Um, some of the favorite topics that we've had on this show are when people start giving their backstory and people realize mm-hmm. that their journey is very similar to the other people that, you know, not everybody, you know, went to Ivy League schools and got PhDs right. and, and things like that. So I think that um, it's it's inspiring and, and motivating and gives people a little confidence. Um, and, and also to Carlisa's point, for veterans, it shows where the struggle points are for people. Like, how can we help adoption? Because we see somebody uh, stumbled through their journey on something that really they probably shouldn't have stumbled over. How can we do that better? Right. No, you're absolutely right. That's the first time anybody's ever said that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> the Eric is right. <laughs> that anybody's All right, that's right. a wrap. I'm going to quit on a, on a high note. <laughs> Uh, we we should take our first sponsor break, though. It's uh, time, exactly time, too. I was supposed to watch that. It's exactly time right now. Take a sponsor break, Eric. All right. So our first sponsor for today is TopTal. Hey, everyone. Adam Stukoviak here, editor-in-chief of Changelog. Our friends at TopTal have been sponsoring our podcast for years, and now they're sponsoring GoTime as well. We think they're one of the best ways to hire developers and designers, as well as one of the best ways to freelance as a software developer or designer. Head to toptile.com go to learn more. Tell them you heard about them on GoTime. If you'd like a more personal introduction, email me, adam at changelog.com. And now back to the show. All right, we are back talking with Ashley McNamara. So just before... Uh, the sponsor break, we were kind of talking about your talk and uh, inspiring future gophers and and veterans. Uh, Brian, did you have a a take on this? I definitely do. I was thinking at it more from the veteran angle. I think uh, it's already been mentioned, but but my favorite idea about hearing the journey talks uh, from multiple different angles is uh, increasing adoption and how we can lower that uh, friction and and make it easier for anybody anywhere to come in to go. I know there are a lot of pain points. I see it when I'm teaching, but uh, getting as many people's points of view as possible is absolutely critical. I agree. I think the like me story um, is, is really important too. Like we all have people we, we relate to. And when you can see somebody who's, who's very similar to you and your upbringing and your journey, and they can see like what their journey could look like a year or two from now, uh, if they just kind of stay the course, um, I think it's important. And I think that it's it's motivating and it keeps people on track. Yeah, that's a very good point. Because uh, Ashley said that she feels that maybe it's pretentious to, to do a talk like that. And I assume it's because she doesn't have 10 years of experience. But I think it's, it's, it's not necessarily that's better. It's good. I think it's good to have different perspectives from a person who's only been 
programming with Go for a couple of years as well. Somebody who's been programming with Go for 15 years. But the people who are coming in, they will be able to relate a lot better to someone who's been programming for a couple of years because it's more manageable for them to visualize themselves two years ahead of, of time, yeah. right? Yeah, So they will right. relate to that talk a lot more than if you have 15 years programming in Go. I think that some of the most um, moving parts of talks like these are hearing some of the failures too, mm-hmm. where people can see that, you know, it, it's not all perfect that, you know, other people struggled and, and they failed and, and kind of fell off and, and got back on and, and things like that. I think that's part of the motivating thing. I mean, if you stood up and just told everybody all, all your awesome accomplishments and we're like, you may all now bow and then mic drop. Like that'd be a bit <laughs> pretentious, but I, I might but. mic drop anyway. I mean, if I'm going to be holding a mic, I feel obligated to mic drop. But yeah, <laughs> there are uh, way more failures than successes, which um, is part of the job. All right, that's it. Mic drop or get the hell out. That's those are the rules. Yes, I have an idea now. Yeah, we totally need to build some kind of statue or toy of a gopher doing a mic drop that we give all speakers. Oh my God, the best speaker gift ever. Give me a week. <laughs> Do it. We're in. Oh, That's so I, awesome. That's happening. I just have to get it made. <laughs> drop the mic. Yeah, we can get it made pretty easily. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. I just got a little shiver. Yeah, give me a week. That will exist. <laughs> it's, it's so nice having friends in high places. Right? Oh. <laughs> uh, Every time I turn around, Ashley's like, hey, I made you a logo for X project. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's so awesome. <laughs> Do you know what the hard part about having people in these positions are? We will never teach ourselves because we don't have to. No, I don't need to learn how to make pretty things on, on Photoshop or whatever you guys use for that pretty stuff. I just don't have the creativity. See, you're, you're doing that imposter thing. What you need to do is visualize small steps towards your, towards your success, Eric. Do I picture an eye first and then yep. the microphone and <laughs> No, it's it's like that uh, that thing that's always traveling the internet. You you draw the two circles and then the next step finish the owl. <laughs> <laughs> it's so just like that. How did Gopherize came about? Did you have the idea? Uh no, it is not my idea at all. I just take credit for it. Um, so I was creating these avatars. I created them initially for, uh, GopherCon because I wanted to have place holders for the, uh, speakers. And I love punny things. Uh, so I wanted to name them. So it was all really selfish. And eventually I ended up making a Brian Gopher Yep. and sent it to him and he tweeted about it. And then I made an Eric Gopher. And then I made a Mark gopher and eventually I was making all of these gophers. And then um, Todd on Twitter said, hey, you should just make an avatar generator. And 24 hours later, there was an avatar generator with the help of uh, Matt. Matt. Yeah, Matt Ryer. Yeah, super, super helpful. It would have taken me a lot longer than 24 hours to do it I got to tell you, that made me mad. Let's just, oh, I know. Because the, the, the tweet happened at like eight, eight o'clock in the morning. So the first thing I did was register a domain. And I thought, <laughs> as soon as work is over, I'm going to start on this. By the time work was over, it was done. It's yeah. done. Damn you, Matt Ryer. He's so quick. He's so quick. 
Yeah, I felt bad. I felt bad for only only like you know a couple like, hours. Only felt quarter bad of for a millisecond. Couple. Yeah. That's all right. Do you do you know how many avatars have been generated with that? You know, I I haven't looked at the analytics in a while. Um, but every day I I see at least one avatar on on Twitter. At least at least I feel like they're everywhere, which is awesome. There, it's my entire Twitter feed and Slack too. Yes. Yeah, I totally adopted my avatar. That's my avatar. <laughs> it, was, it was obviously something that the community needed. Uh, and eventually it'll grow to be bigger and better when we all have time. So w- what's the next bigger and better step for GoForEyesMe? Well, I think that people need to be able to uh, use a color picker to uh, pick their own hair color. There's oh, that. Nice. Maybe same for the color of the gopher. Uh, that way I can cut out a lot of the uh, duplicate hairstyles in different colors. That would be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would like to be able to have people customize a t-shirt. That'd be awesome. Like get your own yeah. gopher on your own t-shirt. It, it, well, no, like the, the gopher's t-shirt. Upload a photo. That will be on there instead of having all of these oh. t-shirts that you're obligated to use if you want a t-shirt uh type a message on something so that's next nice so yeah just kind of upload your own image to put on the t-shirt exactly that'd be pretty cool you're talking at oscon this year aren't you i am yeah what's kind of what's your topic at oscon building uh command line applications with go i'll be doing it with steve francia Oh, nice. nice. Yes. The Cobra guy. The Cobra, Cobra guy. The Hugo guy, too. Hugo guy, yes. And, and now the Go Team guy. That's right. Yeah. Well, I said Cobra because he's the, he's the CLI-related talk. Yeah. He's many True. things, for sure. He's many things. True. But yes, we will be using Cobra. Uh, we will also be doing it at Craft Camp, which is coming up pretty soon. Nice. Except for we have to make a three-hour talk of 60 minutes, I think. Whoa. So that'll be fun. And this is how you do it. Thanks, bye. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so we kind of uh, moved away from the topic, but there was one that I wanted to mention, too. Uh, we were talking about your resources to learn. The one of them I, we didn't point out specifically was for kids. Yes. I thought that was really cool, too. Yeah, so I actually made that one first. That one came from uh, my my child is extremely nerdy. He's always breaking things. Uh, about a week ago, he decided that he wanted to make a plasma ball by himself, and he would put um, steel wool in the microwave. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, we have a book called uh, The Dangerous Book for Boys, and it's basically just ways to hurt yourself. <laughs> so we're, we're constantly doing things like that. And so... I wanted to make sure that I had resources to do those things with him. But also, I know that other people have nerdy kids as well. So I decided to share it. That's awesome. It's a good book. I've seen that book. It makes my blood boil. Yes. Why is it for boys? Everything in the can, a girl can do. Seriously. Point. Oh, yeah. my gosh. We should rebrand it. Imagine girls reading that reading that book. It's like, what? Is, what does it mean? It's just 
only boys are allowed because that's how yeah. little kids think. The kids that, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade, that's how they think. Yeah, well, that that's the reason why uh, this industry will not be equal in, in our generation or our kids' generation. <laughs> Sorry for sidetracking. Let's go well, back. Well, that's a really good point, Carlos. Yeah. <laughs> And it, we, yeah, we need to we need to start with our kids. You know, um, it's really hard to change perception for people. You know, like, this is why they have like, you know, the the C level suites at banks and all that stuff. Is you know, it's the good old boys club. It's really hard to change their opinions, but you know, it, it's a really important for the newer generations. And that's why, like, I like a lot of you know things that are going on with millennials and and making these very important topics. Yeah. Wait, why is it only millennials? Why do they get all the credit? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have one of those too. But on that topic, she wants to change her major to more computer science type things from business. And she went to her school counselor with her change list. And the counselor was like, honey, this is going to be too hard for you. You should probably just oh. stick with business. Oh, oh my God. God. I didn't sign her up for any of the classes she wanted. Um, Did you go back and give this woman a talking to? I I didn't find out until way later, unfortunately, because I would have had words. Um, Not family friendly ones? Not, it would not be from that list I put in Slack. I'll tell you that. I just, I I hate the perception that we, we put on people that, these are elite things that only like the super smart do. You know, um, I think it was a recording of uh, Brian Lyles at one of the Gopher Cons, you know, and he said like, everybody thinks you have to be like ridiculously smart. And, you know, there are some people that are just born geniuses that, you know, do some of the stuff that we may never do or, or you know, would take us 10 times as long. But for most of us, it's just work. It's just, yep. you just put in the time it's not it's not overly difficult it's just a lot of things to know when you put the time in and you require it and any business domain is that way too right like yes. you have to learn up about that industry you come in you can have an mba but you get dropped in an industry you've never worked in before there's stuff to learn yeah that's absolutely true but i i am willing to bet that this woman said what she said based on gender mhm and that's a, yeah, a, a separate is a separate thing, and I think I it's even worse than than assuming that certain elitist, elitist things require somebody to be super smart. That's one big problem. But assuming that a person, because they are a, of not a, ma- a straight male, <laughs> or maybe yeah. even like a straight white male, they're not smart enough to do harder work. Is just. Ugh. I, I hate it because usually I like to play devil's advocate. I like to at least understand the position somebody's coming from, at least even if I don't agree with them. But in this, I, I truly don't understand how anybody can think that somehow women are not smart enough to do that. Like I just well, this was a I woman can't even too. Connect with it. Exactly, yeah, it was a wo- it's it was even a woman. worse when it's a woman saying no, you can't do that, honey. I think that it's way more common than we think, especially outside of our industry. So. You know, when you when you're in college, it it seems impossible to to learn this. I'm sure from anyone who doesn't know about it. Um, I I think that the sexism is is worse outside of our industry. I think it comes to perseverance, right? It's it's not about 
it's not about like born talent. It's about who's going to take the struggle and continue through it and who's going to look at it and be like, ah, oh, this is a lot to learn. I just don't want to do it anymore. And when we when we tell people, even if she continues on that path, now it's going to be in her head every time she's struggling with something, what uh, this advisor told her that she's not cut out to do it. And then it's only more likely that she's going to quit because she's like, oh, you know what? They were right all along. And that's not true. It's everybody's struggle. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a lot to learn. That That's already happened. And I'm having to steer her through it. But, and it's frustrating because I'm her mother. So she tends to listen to me less. But the advisor reinforced it. She needed that advisor. You're, you're, you're the parent. You're automatically not as smart as she is. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think it's like that. I think she's the parent, therefore she's biased. It's like, she she might say, I think you are sufficiently capable to do this program. And she'll say, wow, you're my mother. Of course you think that. As a parent, you're going to be supportive always type of ordeal. You're not going to tell it to them straight. It's so important for people to be sensitive to these issues. And it makes me wonder if that's why people are ending up in boot camps because they were unable to get the classes in college. I wonder how, how often this happens now. Does somebody <laughs> talk them out of it? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, oh, still on a positive. That's <laughs> yeah. a change subject. Goodness. Right. So on a positive note on this, getting more people into STEM and kids. Um, the other night I saw a really awesome Verizon commercial where it went through like, you know, LeBron James and, and like there's some actors and models and stuff, basically like we don't need more LeBron James. We don't need more, you know, um, and showing kind of the statistics of the number of professional football players versus the number of uh, pro basketball players. And uh, shows like this little kid and it was like, we need more of me. And he's doing like a Lego Mindstorms thing or something. And it kind of rolls into how, um, you know, there's 4 million unfilled tech jobs that like we don't, we don't need more uh celebrity actors and, and models and stuff we need more we need more tech people i thought that was really cool i'm gonna have to look this commercial up you should put it in the slack channel yeah i'll, I'll drop it in the slack channel now but it is actually in the uh in our doc but copying link and now everybody's going to be listening to us live talk and listening to a commercial at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> awesome don't do it should we give like a moment of silence for everybody to listen? <laughs> well, why don't we take our next break right now? And that will be a perfect opportunity, Eric. That is a ridiculously good idea. Too bad I didn't think of it. And I have to give you credit. Well, yeah, because we all heard it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So our second sponsor for today is Datadog. Hey, Gophers, your application sit on layers of dynamic infrastructure and supporting services. And our friends at Datadog bring you visibility into every part of your infrastructure, plus APM that integrates deeply with Go libraries for monitoring your application's performance with support for Jin, Gorilla Mux, and gRPC, and more on the way. You can get fine-grained performance metrics from your Golang apps with minimal instrumentation. Datadog integrates seamlessly with all of your apps and systems from Slack to Amazon Web Services, so you can get visibility in minutes. Head to gotime.fm slash datadog to get started, get a free t-shirt, 
With full observability, distributed tracing, and customizable visualizations, Datadog is loved and trusted by thousands of enterprises, including Salesforce, PagerDuty, and Zendesk. If you haven't tried them yet at your company or on your side project, go to gotime.fm slash Datadog to get started, get a free t-shirt, check them out. Our deepest thanks to them for being a sponsor of the show. Well, I mean, now they're making baby toys for programming concepts. Have you seen these things? Yeah. They're like infant toys, which is great. So I, I think that we're, we think that we are smart now. Just wait. Yeah. Our kids are going to crush us. Well, uh, we might as well just consider ourselves back on the air because mm-hmm. I, I think there's a, a real problem in that as as we advance so much as a society, we are gaining such a tremendous amount of, uh, what, is the, what is the word, a, a corpus of knowledge that we can't possibly all know. So sure, the kids will know cooler things, but everybody still can't know all the things. You will always be maybe really good at one or two specialized areas or maybe a good specialist that knows a lot about a lot of things but not everything about a lot of things but that body of knowledge is growing so fast at this point that i'm almost worried that at some point you know if we had some large population event and lost a lot of people we wouldn't be able to continue as a society the way we are now because nobody knows how to build that aircraft engine or how to keep the power plant running other than a very few specialized number of people Okay, confession. I watch how it's made so that I can be that person that knows it. <laughs> now so the truth is we, out. That's we such need to live awesome near you. Show. Zombie apocalypse. Awesome Where's show. Ashley? We yeah, exactly. To- <laughs> I know exactly how to make a coffee pot. So I think that, like, and we've talked about this before too. I think that we, we, each generation we get further abstracted away from the things we use. And I've mentioned this kind of before, like in the 50s, if you owned a TV, you know, you knew how to change the vacuum tubes in it. You went to the store and you bought one. And through the 80s and probably early 90s, if you owned a car, somebody in the household probably knew how to at least do basic maintenance on it. But now it's common for us to have all kinds of devices and things that we use every day that we know how to use, but we don't understand how they work. Ask, ask you know, non-tech people what Wi-Fi is and how it works. It's just magic. It's just, you know, it's wireless. There's no concept of space and back, right? (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, you know, and to to Brian's point, um, uh, Joe Rogan has a comedy bit where he talks about some of this stuff. And he's like, you know, how many smart people in the room or something? And, you know, he's like, no, I mean, like, really smart, not just (laughs) use stuff made by smart people. You know, like, how's your phone work? He's just like, you know, if, if you think you're, you're smart, He's like, how long, if I took you and gave you a hatchet, dropped you off in the middle of the, of the forest or something or jungle, like how long till you can send me an email, you know? Like, <laughs> and it goes to show and he's like, you know, what, what would happen? He's like, what do you do when the power goes out? He's like, I know what I do. I sit here twiddling my thumbs. Somebody's probably working on it right now. He's yep. like, well, what, what would happen if it never came back on and we like had to go back into the caves because the animals were coming in because there's no lights and sounds and stuff and like, you don't have a fridge thinking. stop and think about it for a second you don't have a fridge well brian and i good. would be safe yeah i'm good <laughs> we we know how to smoke meat 
<laughs> got a lot of ammunition and a really big grill. So that was the other thing he pointed out. He was like, he's like, I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking, it's all right. I'd be safe. I got a gun. He's like, but what happens when you run out of bullets? Do you know how to make a bullet? I don't know how to make a bullet. I know how to reload bullets. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a really good point that despite you can look around and think you know about a lot of stuff, but there's always going to be things you don't know. There was a survivalist show I watched a number of years ago where they like put like, you know, a programmer or electrician with a carpenter and a medic and they like yeah. dropped them off in like this post-apocalyptic kind of town. And that was a they, cool like, show. Yeah, they had to like invent stuff to try to survive for the week. That's rad. Why yeah, do they like, always cancel the cool stuff? And then randomly they just eat one person at the end of each week. <laughs> <laughs> Sacrifice. I like it. Yeah, there was this, you know, they, they use like dead pigs. They did something with it to break it down and turn it into a fuel for a tractor so that they could use that uh, as a generator. It was, yeah. Biodiesel. Like, yeah. It was just crazy. So I wanted to go back and ask Ashley, I didn't catch up with the age of your kid or kids. I don't even know if it's more than one, but I wanted to ask if you're teaching them how to code and what you're using, how that's coming along. Yeah, so I have a 19-year-old, the one that's in college. Um, she's a girl, and she is just now starting to come around to the idea of programming. Um, I tried to teach her when she was about my son's age, who's 11, and she was having no part of it. You can't force somebody to learn it. It just doesn't work. Um, my 11-year-old is very interested in it, and we started out with Scratch, and we're moving into Python and doing some Go as well. And, but he loves Scratch. Got to watch out. That Scratch is a gateway drug. <laughs> right. The next, the next thing you know, they're doing Python. And before you know it, they're snorting C++ in the back room. Yeah. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that makes no sense to me. <laughs> really. No, really. Yeah. Why? <laughs> It it was a bad joke, Carlos. Yeah, I, I apologize to all of the world for my for my bad joke. Okay, it went over my head. You should expect this from Brian. I should. I, know. I haven't yeah, slept it's, in a while. It's going well. It only goes well though if your kid's interested in it. You can't make them like it. Yeah, and depending on the age, the attention span, right? So like. My son loves when we do stuff like work on the RC cars or we mod them and sometimes a little bit of electronic stuff for like when I'm working on like the Cupid thing for the smoker. But he only hangs out for so long. Like I tried to, to get a breadboard together and have like all the supplies around to do like an FM radio on a breadboard. Uh, yeah, he didn't make it halfway through and he's like, can I can I go play? Yes, I can go play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, when Topher was really little, we got him snap circuits. Oh, those are so cute. We have those too, yeah. It was great. So I actually just had my first success. My son just turned 15, and I've been gently encouraging him to learn programming since he was a baby. And, you know, he's just always been, yeah, that's cool. That's fun. Yet, no, I'm not really interested. I'm going to go play Minecraft or Overwatch or whatever it is he's playing these days. But then just this year, just, just what was it, um, March this month, last month, he said, hey, do you have any more of those Raspberry Pis laying around? Minecraft server. <laughs> I said, I said, as a matter of fact, I have a couple of Raspberry Pis laying around. What do you need? He said, I was thinking about using a Raspberry Pi for Pi Day at school to calculate Pi. 
with Go. Do you think you could help me with that? I'm like, you know, I think I could. Yeah, that'd be fun. And I just, I let him do all the work and pointed him in the right direction. Of course, he just cut and pasted somebody's how to calculate Pi and Go application, but he installed Go. He installed Linux on the Raspberry Pi. He did the whole thing and then he compiled it, took it to school and got an A on his little project. So, you know, it's sometimes they just have to be ready. I think it's like, um, you know, kind of how uh, Katrina Owen said in her talk, like your, your, your need or want to succeed or, or finish the project uh, has to outweigh your, your reasons for quitting. Mm-hmm. Right? So like they really want to play their games and things like that. But in that case, you know, he really wanted to complete that project. So he's willing to persevere through any, any kind of struggle he has because he wants to do that so bad. But when you're just like, would you like to learn this? They're like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then when they start to struggle and they realize it's time, they're like, eh. Yep. That's why we combined games and programming mm-hmm. with the Scratch stuff. And also we were building Minecraft servers with Raspberry Pis. That's sort of where we started with this. That's awesome. So anybody want to talk about any projects and news before we, I think some people have some hard stops. Yeah, I think we do have some hard stops. So there were several interesting things going on this month. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that I saw, speaking of Steve Francia, is um, the, the new um, developer working group, developer relations working group. What's that? Developer experience working group. There's mm-hmm. a name for it. Developer experience yeah. working group. Developer experience. I think that's more JBD than Steve, though. I think so, too. Yeah. I think he's, he's on the team, though. Maybe, but it's JBD running the show. Yeah. Don't take away a woman's credit and give it to a man, Eric. We will shoot you down. We will shoot you down. You're trying to get me beat in the street now. Listen, we need him. We need him. It's not time yet. Okay. It's not time yet. That's the most menacing thing anybody's ever said on the show. It's not time to kill him yet, Brian. It's not time. I just wait. Uh, so for anybody who hasn't seen it, there is a blog post, um, talking about kind of the initial goals of the working group to kind of understand the community's use cases and, and some of the stuff we were talking about, kind of like the struggle to get started and in, in understanding tooling and things like that. So I, I don't, did they call for new members or just they participation yeah. from the community? They called for lots of participation and membership and activity. There is a mailing list, and it's been very active. There is lots going on there. I haven't had had time to read through it, but that's definitely the place to go to catch up. Did you guys put it in the Slack channel? Yes. Do it. Let's do it. Are you not looking at the doc, Ashley? No. Ew, am I supposed to be looking <laughs> There's at There's a the doc? Do- oh. Oh, I thought I did all my homework. No, you don't have to look at the doc. It's okay. It, it's just it's just a guide a suggestion well obviously because i ignored it i'm in the dock now how about that i put the mailing list on slack all right i have i have a complaint i'm looking at this document about all these interesting go projects and news and there are two different ruby implementations in go i saw this that week. what's up with that <laughs> yeah. why, why do we have to rewrite go, ruby and go so no, it's the, funny because early in the week I saw I saw one of them. One of you dropped in the channel in our private yeah, channel. 
And I'm like, why? Why do we want to? Why? Do we <laughs> why? And now there are two of them. <laughs> like, why? Why? So, so here's here's how the story goes. I came across Ruby, R O O B Y, um, which is like a Ruby, the language like language. It's somebody's own interpretation of the language um, written in Go. And this is really cool from the perspective, similar to um, how we, we talked about kind of like writing the com- writing compilers and interpreters and things like that in Go. So I thought that was really cool. And then I came across GoRuby, spelled the correct way, uh, R-U-B-Y, which is an actual implementation of the real Ruby language in Go. Wow. Yeah. So both really cool. So speaking of that, I'm going to bring this back full circle because that's how we do things here at GoTime FM. The book by Thorsten Ball that we talked about uh, building the interpreter in Go, and that was a great conversation. An episode, I don't remember what episode it was in the 20s, probably. It's so long ago. We're up at what, 43 now? Time flies, I tell you what. So that book is the inspiration that Mark Bates used from episode 30 something from live at the Dunkin' Donuts in Boston. He used that book to create the new interpreter that powers plush which is the new template language that powers go buffalo and plush is a killer killer template if you haven't used um, buffalo or plush yet because you can use plush without buffalo if you chose to um, it is so much nicer than go's built-in template so much nicer go do that use I'm plush gonna do that so i just brought that whole thing full circle did you see how i did that that was very nice thank you thank you so much did anybody have any other projects to uh, mention before we jump into free software friday or news well i mean hugo's latest release was kind of cool with custom output formats i want to i want to abuse that so badly what do you want to do with it tell me i don't know (laughs) yet i don't know the the, the options are endless it seems at this point no right I read the blog post and the first thing I thought was, how can I totally abuse this? Because you get, you, you create these documents and you create a, a template and a custom output format. The next thing you know, you've got an API server that's feeding off of static markdown documents, right? I'm there. Do you want to do, do a project? I, am, I do. Let's call do me. a project. I'll call me. Hey. We're gonna abuse. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna abuse Hugo this weekend while I'm grilling my pig. Hey, hey, we can we can bring it full circle there too. Like, Do what it. if we used it for something barbecue related? There's there's lots to be done for for the live barbecue stuff. Where even the, is it. the blog? I'm on the page and I don't see a blog. You said you said you read the blog post. Blog for what? Where? Yeah, hang on a second. I'll drop it in. Here you go. Thank you. It's so <laughs> all sweet and nice, silly. I'm, I'm not kidding. I want to abuse this so badly. There are so many crazy, awesome things you can do with these new custom output formats. I know. It's going to be awesome. I asked Steve if he wanted me to say anything specific about that. He said, oh, there was a release? Uh, <laughs> so he's in full vacation mode right now because he's on vacation. I think Bjorn Eric Peterson has been the lead maintainer on Hugo for quite some time now. Yeah. Or BEP, as he calls himself these days. We've got JBD, we've got BEP. I'm going by BJK now. (laughs) 
So I wanted to mention real quick, uh, Caddy is launching officially on April 20th. Woohoo! There is going to be a party somewhere in Utah. Just follow Matt Holt on Twitter to find out if you are in that area. And he has really cute Caddy stickers, but uh, we need to order them because, of course, it's unfeasible for him to send everybody a sticker. So, I ordered $25 worth if you need any. Oh, I need one. I would love to have one. I couldn't help myself. I love Caddy so much. I was like, stickers yeah. must have yes. all of them. So that I, is how I, I felt. Like, Two seconds after he tweeted that, I ordered a ton. Send me one. And I, I figured the stickers were probably relatively cheap and any extra money was going towards Caddy. So it was a good exactly. investment. Yeah. yeah, he worked so hard on that. So yes, I will. I'll share my stickers. I'm happy to. Yes. You know, I don't nice. have to wait. I just have to drive around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for the stickers. Your stickers are here, Eric. Rub it in. All right. Free software Friday. Let's, hey, let's hey. move on. You what? you get to drive to Zed Shaw's house, so true. Yeah, okay, <laughs> okay. I I still win. I knew that deep inside. I was just Wait, trying to help. Are you out. saying that Zed Shaw's better than me? Now I'm I, feeling you know, inadequate. I didn't want to say it out loud, but I'm done with this show. You brought this on yourself. <laughs> Awkward silence. <laughs> yeah, quiet. The the world is still. <laughs> Everybody wonders how serious they are. Because we mentioned that again too, though his stuff is really cool from the perspective. I like when he goes through like and shows you how to break stuff, mm-hmm. and then kind of tells you how to fix it, and so you notice yes. the breaking. Like that's one of the favorite, my favorite things about the way he teaches stuff. Yeah, because usually it doesn't work the way somebody says in their blog post or video. You're like, this is broken, and I don't understand why. Well, yeah, I, the first thing that he had me do when I showed up at his house is he brought out like these giant post-its. And he said, uh, map out what you want, map it out. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, draw it out. Um, it took me forever, a good a solid three hours, I think, to map out it's basically an anti social media app. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, but it was so helpful. And I still do it now, just drawing it out. I never would have known if I didn't go to Zed's house. That's mm. awesome. See, that's mentoring. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because when you were saying people have trouble knowing where to start, I didn't have a chance to jump in and say what I was thinking. What I was thinking was you start at the end, you find out what it is that you want, you break it down, and then you start researching how do you get that done. Yeah. So I think that was really, really cool tip that he gave for you to start with what it is that you wanted to do. Truly. I love that. All right. So free software Friday. Let's do it. You ready? I'm ready. All right, who wants to go first? I'll go first. I've got a good one this week. Okay. I would like to thank one of my favorite open source contributors, Eric St. Martin, <laughs> who this week put together some of my other favorite open source pieces like Grafana and Influx and Telegraph and Mosquito and GoBot and MQTT and built the most gorgeous dashboard ever for our barbecue project it's awesome really pretty it's it's live if you want to see it now you can go to http colon slash slash barbecue dot live and you can see it because because i'm grilling right now and you can see it live on the internet i was live streaming youtube too but i had to shut it off because of this stupid (laughs) phone (laughs) skype disaster because of my macbook but don't get me started with that i've got to correct the link though 
um, for anybody listening live, we'll drop a, a link directly to the dashboard because there's just like a placeholder with the barbecue gopher on it on the main page. Well, you have right. to know the secret URL to get to the dashboards for Brian and mine. To get to Brian's barbecue. <laughs> I got the link right here. I'll put it in Slack. Right, how about you, Carlicia? I found this really neat, I think it's a neat project called uh, Contributors, all, all Contributors. And it's a way to recognize contributors to your project that makes it very visible. In, in their own page, you can see an example down the bottom. It gives you a grid with, the, with a photo or avatar of, the, of each one of the contributors. That was really neat. They, they have a spec you need to follow to be able to display on your own page. Oh, that's really cool. Neat, isn't it? Nice. I hadn't seen this before. And how about you, Ashley? Oh, I did mine early. You know how you said, are you looking at the doc? And I said, yes. And then I closed it. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, mine was for Hugo. I was really excited about that. Hugo is so awesome. Yeah. Can you guys hear my dog breathing <laughs> into the mic? No. no. <laughs> so mine for this week. And I, I won't be upset for Brian take, taking away all of my stuff early because he, he gave me a shout out. So how can you be mad? <laughs> so my shout out is actually to um, Grafana and FluxDB and Mosquito because it was ridiculously cool in an evening what could get thrown together with, with zero lines of code written. Basically able to just take a, a Mosquito instance, which is MQTT, which is like a message brokering thing. Um, Brian's Cupid project just blasts metrics at mosquito then uh telegraph which is also written by uh influx data uh just has a configuration for an mqtt consumer that reads that data uh, in a certain json format and pumps it in as influx db metrics and then grafana just reads that so i was able to just kind of install those things and configure some stuff and zero lines of code were harmed in this experiment crazy yeah, it's just it's amazing that you can build what seems like the, like a full fledged app with writing zero code. Right? Yeah, that's. Oh, well, it totally made my day this morning too. I woke up and Eric's like, "Hey, got a second to look at this link?" I was like, "Sure." <laughs> and he he pulls up this link and it's my barbecue with all of the stats on it. I was blown away. I was like, "How awesome is this?" It was so exciting. It's been one of the better days I've had in years because of all of the awesome barbecueness. You should try sleep. It's good for you, I hear. I've heard sleep is pretty good, but I, I wouldn't know. I have to accept blame in that because I knew he was tired this morning and he literally had said, I'm going to take a nap. And I'm like, no, wait, I've got to show you this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I blame Eric for the campy lack of sleep in my life. <laughs> Don't go. You, you must see this. <laughs> Casey says, wait, did he come over and light the barbecue to start gathering data? <laughs> no, actually, I knew that he was going to be um, he was going to be cooking something this morning, and I knew that last night we had kind of um, uh, negotiated what, yeah. Yeah, we, what the MQTT uh, topics would look like. So uh, last night I whipped together something so that when he started his smoker this morning, he could see grass. That was the last thing I said before I went to bed. Was I'm going to send this stuff to MQTT? We'll we'll graph it tomorrow sometime. And then I get out of bed this morning and the graph is already there because Eric is awesome. You guys know it was on the same call that you guys used to match your outfits. What are you wearing tomorrow? <laughs> I'm wearing my go time shirt. What are you wearing? I'm actually wearing my, my uh, Denver Gophers shirt. Nice. I finally who, who, came. who drew that gopher? 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so that I was a more artwork by Ashley. That's just awesome. I love that little Denver gopher. It's awesome, isn't it? It's for a great cause, too. I'll have to put the link in Slack. I ordered that shirt weeks ago. I still haven't gotten it. <laughs> really? Yes. Got mine. Eric got his. I wonder if it got lost. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they just had to source sizes or something like that. And Possible. So that's the only difference that I can think of. Uh, I mean, aside from distanced for delivery, but I think time enough time has passed to account for that. So. Yeah, shout out to Denver Gophers. We, yes. we heart Denver Gophers here a lot. We couldn't have GopherCon without them. Three months away. I cannot believe it. Woo-hoo. Three months. We are all going to be in Denver. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So much awesome. Which reminds me, it's time to start practicing for the GopherCon band. <laughs> oh, is this a real thing? Eric thinks I'm kidding but I've already worked out with our after party or our welcome party people. We've got a corner. We've got, we've got live music set up and there will be a gopher con band. Damn it. I, I know better than to think you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> My reputation precedes me. I'm going to live tweet about this. So I know that, um, I know that we have a hard stop for the recorded show. Adam is probably waiting patiently to to stop recording before we corrupt all of his data. He's twitching. <laughs> Adam twitches. So with that, I, I want to thank everybody for being on the show, especially thank you to Ashley for all the great things that you do for the community and for coming on our, our, our lowly show. For having me. For, for lowering your standards. <laughs> Huge shout out to our sponsors for today's episode, TopTal and Datadog. Uh, please share the show with fellow co-programmers. Uh, easy way to subscribe is going to gotime.fm. We are at gotime.fm on Twitter. If you have suggestions for topics or people or the people is you that wants to be on the show, you can go to github.com slash gotime.fm slash ping. And with that, goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. This was great. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being on the show, Ashley. Thanks, Brian. All right, that wraps up this episode of Go Time. Tune in live on Thursdays at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern at changelaw.com slash live. Join the community and Slack with us in real time at the changelaw.com slash community. Follow us on Twitter. We're at GoTimeFM. Special thanks to TopTal and Datadog for sponsoring this show. Also, thanks to Fastly, our bandwidth partner, at thefastly.com to learn more. This episode was edited by Jonathan Youngblood, and the theme music for GoTime is produced by Breakmaster Cylinder. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening.